Greetings in Jesus' name. I'm Bishop Chester Wright, and this is the video teaching series, The Love of God. This is part four of that series, and the title of this uh, part of the, the series, The Love of God, is The Compelling Power of God's Love. There's some foundational principles I, I want to state at the beginning of the series, even though this is lesson number one. This is uh, These are foundational principles that will... Uh, that affect everything, but will, of course, be the guiding principles of this series of lessons specifically. So uh, they are, the love of God is the impetus for all biblical ministry. The love of God is the source of all biblical ministry. The love of God is the power behind all biblical ministry. The love of God is the motive behind all biblical ministry. The love of God is the agency of all biblical ministry. Seeing others receive and grow in the love of God is the goal of all biblical ministry. So it should be pretty obvious right now that this part four, the compelling power of God's love, is actually about, ultimately about biblical ministry. And uh, we're not going to cover that as a general topic. We're going to cover it. And this series is a little different than what I have uh, done in the past. I'm actually going to teach uh, section by section uh, chapters 4 and 5 of Second Corinthians because I believe they are so critical to understanding and, and, and being able to be utilized by God in biblical ministry. So this is lesson number one, and uh, the title of this lesson is, The Lord Jesus Christ is the force and focus of all ministry. Ministry cannot and must not be separated from the Lord Jesus Christ. He is not an it, but a who. All ministry is about him. Any ministry that is, a not, it, that is not about him is not ministry at all. He's not only the subject of all biblical ministry because God is love and the Lord Jesus Christ is the almighty, infinite, eternal uh, God the Father manifested in the flesh. And so all ministry is not just about the Lord Jesus Christ, our Father God manifested in the flesh, but all of it, 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 he's the source of all of it because he is love. And he is the power behind it, and he is the ultimate goal of it all. And so I'm going to begin Second Corinthians chapter four, verses one through six. And as I've done in this uh, series of lessons, all four, uh, th the three previous parts, I'm going to be reading scriptures and also a couple other translations before I really get into uh, the flow of the ministry about this particular subject of lesson one. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 1 through 6. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry. So this whole, uh, the, the, the ministry is what's being discussed, beginning right here in the beginning of 2 Corinthians 4, 1. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience 
in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. But we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The Amplified Version uh, reads this way. Therefore, since we do not hold and engage in this ministry, uh, by, uh, therefore, since we do not hold and engage in this ministry by the mercy of God granting us favor, benefit, opportunities, and special salvation, we do not get discouraged, spiritless, and despondent with fear or become faint or weary with weariness and exhaustion. We have renounced disgraceful ways, secret thoughts, feelings, desires, and underhandedness, the methods and heart arts that men hide through shame. We refuse to deal craftily, to practice trickery and cunning, and to adulterate and handle dishonestly the word of God. But we state the truth openly, clearly, and candidly. And so we commend ourselves in the sight and presence of God to every man's conscience. But if even if our gospel, the glad tidings, also be hidden, obscured, and covered up with a veil that hinders the knowledge of God, it is hidden only to those who are perishing, and obscured only to those who are spiritually dying, and veiled only to those who are lost. For the God of this world has blinded the unbelievers' minds, that they should not discern the truth, preventing them from seeing the illuminating light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, the Messiah, who is the image and likeness of God. For we preach, for what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves merely as your servants and slaves for, for Jesus' sake. For who, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts so as to for, uh, beam forth the light of the illumination of the knowledge of the majesty and glory of God as it is manifest and the person is revealed in the face of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Now that's wordy to say the least. And it was probably hard to, uh, to really uh, grasp just hearing it read. But as I've said many times, part of the purpose is reading it. Is that something in that will catch your attention enough that you'll want to go and read it for yourself. Okay? And then finally, we expand expanded translation in the New Testament. 2 Corinthians 4.1 Because of this, having this ministry of the New Testament, even as we were made the objects of mercy in its bestowal, we do not lose courage. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not ordering the manner of our lives in the sphere of craftiness, nor, ha nor even adulterating the word of God by an admixture of error, but by means of an open declaration of the truth, commending ourselves to every man, to every variety uh, of the conscience of men in the sight of God. But if also, as is the case, our gospel has been covered, in the case of those who are perishing, it has been covered. In whom the God of this age blinded the minds of the unbelievers to the end, 
that the light of, of the good news of the glory of Christ, who is the derived image of God, should not dawn upon them. For we do not proclaim ourselves, but Christ Jesus is Lord. But we proclaim ourselves as your slaves for the sake of Jesus. Because the God who said, out of darkness shall shine, shine in our hearts, resulting in an illumination being given of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So just just these reading of these three verses, we can see how significant the role of the Lord Jesus Christ is, both as the empowerment of ministry, but first and foremost as the subject and focal point of all ministry. Doctrine that is taught apart from teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ is not reliable doctrine. All practices of the church and any type of ministry that doesn't have as the number one element of the message uh, of that ministry being the Lord Jesus Christ is false ministry, not true ministry. And so notice please carefully here. Paul starts out this discussion of ministry that is especially chapters 4 and 5 of uh, of 2 Corinthians that it this is a discussion of the ministry God has given us this is a discussion of the ministry that that is the will of God it's the one he honors it's the one he designed it's the one he expects us to have it's the one he honors and uses And so the first and foremost focus of this is the the fact that this ministry is supposed to be about the Lord Jesus Christ. And and, 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 and he starts, these first two verses, he actually starts out renouncing all false ministry. Therefore, see, we have this ministry as we have received mercy. We don't get exhausted. We don't give up and quit because ministry that exhausts us. Ministry that wears us out is not biblical ministry. Any virtue that God takes out of us in the flow of ministry through us, He always replenishes in abundance. Yes, sometimes in in, uh, uh, participating in the work of God, we get tired. But if it is, if we've been participating in the work of God, God's way, that fatigue is really easily taken care of with, uh, with a good night's sleep. Or at the least, if it's been really, a really physically taxing time, then, uh, maybe the Lord will give us a couple of days of rest. But you don't take a vacation from ministry and you don't retire from ministry because ministry is not a calling, it's a life. Ministry is not a vocation, it's not an employ, it's not a job, it's our lives, it's who we are in Him, it's our place in Him. And I'm not trying to be unkind and I know there are many who get burnt out. And I know that some have actually walked away from the ministry and even God because they got burnt out. 
But I'm saying to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that biblical ministry does not wear you out. But if I'm doing the, the traditional thing where I am living for God and I am working for God, that is exhausting. If living for God and working for God is hard, then I'm not doing it God's way because he never called me to live for him. He's called me to let him live through me. He never called me to work for him. He called me to let him work through me. And he doesn't get exhausted. And while this earthen vessel may get tired, and we'll talk about that in the next lesson, God always replenishes that. He replenishes it. Next verse. But we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. The Amplified reads this way, and it's very wordy, but the purpose of the Amplified is trying to give you the full flavor of the Greek words behind the English. Uh, we have renounced disgraceful ways, secret thoughts, feelings, desires, underhandedness, the methods and arts that men hide through shame. We have, we have renounced these things. In God, we've renounced all human artifice, all human effort, all human uh, focus of trying to win people to ourselves so we can win them to God. That is absolutely not in the Bible. It's not only, excuse the double or triple negative, it's not only not in the Bible, it is not biblical principle. Colossians chapter 3 says, I believe it's verse 3, uh, for ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. We are not the focus of this. We're only the conduits. We're only the vessel. That people are supposed to see and hear Jesus, not see and hear us. That's the goal. And if I am dead enough, people will recognize God and they will eventually stop listening to a man while they hear the word of God being delivered. They will hear God. And those that never make that transition, they don't make that transition in a lot of areas in their life, whether they're the one ministering or the one hearing ministry. That transition's got to be made. So it's not about my intellect and my education. And I'm not saying that, 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 that God doesn't give us intellect. And I'm not saying that God doesn't provide the opportunity for us to be educated. Because we got to have something to lay down at his feet uh, that, that we can sacrifice and say, I won't utilize this. I will let you do it through me. I, I think it's great to get all the education you can get so you can have something to deny as you seek for God and the things of God. Because he is never going to let anybody take credit or glory in his presence. Ever. Ever. But again, you know, education may impress men. It doesn't impress God. 
All of our education is such a tiny infinitesimal amount of the knowledge compared to God's knowledge. He's not impressed by what we know. He is impressed when we acknowledge that without him we can do nothing. Without him we know nothing. That impresses God because that's what he's looking for from us. And so he said that uh, we renounce the disgraceful ways, the, the hidden things of dishonesty. Uh, we refuse to deal craftily, to practice trickery and cunning. All of this is talking about the different things that men do in ministry when they are not surrendered to God's principles of ministry and therefore surrendered to God. And we renounce... a. We will not adulterate or handle dishonestly the word of God, but we we state the truth openly, clearly, candidly, or could we use the word directly instead of with artifice and oratory where people go, what's he trying to say? I've heard all these words, but I still don't understand the point. Paul said, I've renounced all that. 1 Corinthians 2, he said, I have not come to you with enticing words of man's wisdom. I've come to you in meekness and in fear and much trembling. Well, was Paul a fearful, nervous person? That's not what he was talking about. He He said, I'm coming to you with the acknowledgement that there is nothing I can do myself to reach you, to minister to you, to help you. I can only let him use me. I cannot do anything for you except give myself completely to God as a conduit so he can minister through me to you. That's exactly what Paul was saying here. He said, we will, so we commend ourselves in the sight of and presence of God to every man's conscience. But uh, the King James said it this way, but by manifesting Manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. What does that mean? Because we will give ourselves to seeking God, to knowing God, to uh, to seeking and doing the will of God, to seeking and uh, manifesting the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and all of that, so that people can see the Lord Jesus Christ live through me. So... My life is not about what I do. My life is about whom, from whom I receive that life and through whom I have that life and by and through whom that ministry of life takes place. So my life, Paul said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do all these things. I'm not going to, I'm not going to engage in the hidden things of dishonesty. I'm not going to use uh, human artifice and craftiness to uh, to try to trick you into to being a, a, a Christian. I'm not going to handle the word of God deceitfully. But I'm going to live what I preach. And I'm going to live the truth of what I preach. So that my life backs up what I'm saying. Let me tell you something right now. There are men who are great orators 
and they can absolutely hold you spellbinded. And I use that word, the Holy Ghost uses that word very specifically because that's what they're doing. Their humanity, their ego is being used by the adversary to cast a spell and to arrest the attention of the hearers with their words and their, 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 their theatrics and their delivery and all of that. And, uh, uh, uh. and we capture them by those things. But that's not the will of God. That's not his ministry. That's not his ministry. His ministry is not only supernatural in word, but it's supernatural in power. So that I don't have to use dishonesty or craftiness or uh, uh, deception in any way to get people in, whether I know I'm doing that or not. Sometimes I know good men who do those things because it's what they were taught how to do. They were taught to do that. But they've never figured it out that, that it's why it's so hard to get converts and hold converts because the converts they're making are to themselves, not to the Lord Jesus Christ. Making converts to their church, making converts to their personality, the personality of the preacher, whatever. They're not making converts to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so then Paul tells what we're up against and why all of those things, methods of human ministry, human methods for ministry don't ultimately work because we're trying to reach people that have a supernatural problem. And the supernatural problem is that God of this world has blinded the minds so that uh, that they they can they can be influenced by that which is coming from the same spirit that blinded them. You say, well, you're saying we're demon possessed? No, no. Jesus uh, Jesus said to Peter in the beginning of chapter 16 of Matthew, uh, "Who do you say I am? You're, you're the Christ, Son of the Living God. Blessed art thou, art thou, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood is not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven." But later on in that chapter, when Jesus was telling him he was going to die, Peter says, far be it from you, Lord. And the Lord turned on Peter and said, get thee behind me, Satan. You don't understand the things that be of God. Well, how can the same man receive a revelation from the Father and be speaking the words of Satan? Because he's not discerning them. Because he doesn't want Jesus to die because he, he likes his life like it is now. He was a fisherman before. Nothing wrong with that. I like fish. But he, that was what he did as a living before. He wasn't notable to anybody except to God. Obviously, the Lord knew him. But here he is now. He's not just a close associate of Jesus, but he's, he, he's received these uh, notable uh, 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 statements from the Lord about who he is and what he's going to be doing. He doesn't want that to end. And he still didn't get it. Because when Jesus was taken in, uh, when the mob came to take Jesus in the garden, Peter gets his sword out. He's trying to cut the high priest's servant's head off. The guy ducks and all that happens is he gets his ear. 
And Jesus reaches down, takes the ear up off the ground, puts it back on the side of the guy's head, and turns to, to, to Peter and said, you know, this is not the way we're going to do it. This is not what's going on here. Peter is trying to save his life. He's not trying to save the life of Jesus. He's trying to save his own life. And there's too many of us in the ministry that are trying to save our lives. And that's ultimately, in the heart, the heart of our hearts, that's ultimately our own, our motive for ministry is to save ourselves. It's a good income, you see. Ah, hey man, you can, uh, you, you, you can lead three services a week, preach good messages, teach good lessons, those three services, do a little counseling, visit a little bit of hospital, uh, situation, few people that are sick. Got plenty of time for recreation and other involvements. I mean, you can invest in the stock market all week long. You can get your bass boat ready. You can get your hunting equipment ready. You can go play golf every day. You can surf the internet. You can be involved with porn the rest of the week. You can, boy, you can do all of that as long as you just keep the services going good and preach good stuff. Now, I'm not saying there's something wrong with hunting or fishing or golfing. And uh, the love of money is root of all evil. But if God is the one telling you to do the investing and he's blessing it and you're using it for the kingdom and rather than your own, to consume it on yourselves, okay. The pornography part, not good. But that's not what ministry is about. Ministry is not a three times a week deal. Or four times a week, whatever. Ministry is 24-7 because we're his conduits. We're his vessels, his instruments. And his ministry doesn't start at church time and end at church time or start at the beginning of the counseling session or end at that or start and stop after we visit the hospital room and just pray, pray a nice little prayer for somebody that's sick and, 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 you know, speak a few words of encouragement to the family waiting in the nursing, in the visiting room. And counseling is important. Visiting the sick is in the book. But that's not ministry. Ministry is 24-7 availability to the Almighty God. Now, if you think, if you think it's exhausting to do three services a week and a little bit of counseling and hospital visitation, how exhausting would it be to, to give myself to God 24-7? Very, unless you're dead to yourself. Once you've been crucified to, with Christ, it's not exhausting at all. In fact, if there's a problem with biblical ministry is there's so much energy available that you don't know what to do with it all. That's why you're constantly trying to find out from the Lord what he wants to do with all this energy that he is giving you. Amen. So we have to have a supernatural ministry because we're dealing with a supernatural problem. Verse three, for if our God, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So we have a spiritual conflict that we're dealing with with this ministry. So what does that mean? One of the most important parts of this ministry is the prayers we pray every day. 
for the for ourselves, our families, our churches, uh, for the body of Christ and the earth, for the backsliders, for the lost, to, to be delivered from the influence of this darkness. If you go to Acts chapter 2016 and you read the story again of, the, of Paul's very detailed testimony of what happened to him on the road to Damascus, you will find that that what the Lord called Paul to do was to pray before he ever preached. God called Paul to pray before he ever called him to preach. God called Paul to pray before he ever called him to go preach anything. So ministry doesn't start with study. Ministry starts with prayer every day. We're supposed to minister in prayer every day. Every day. Why? Because we're dealing with a supernatural situation, not a natural situation. We're not trying to make converts to our doctrine. We're trying to see people born again as children of the Lord Jesus Christ. And since he's the way, the truth, and the life, yes, his doctrine is who he is because he is the word of God made flesh. Yes, that's all important, see. It's all important as a part of this ministry. So the love of God doesn't just cause us to love God, enable us to love God as we've taught in this series. It doesn't just take care of our past, give us confidence in our present and hope for our future. It doesn't just do those things, you see. The love of God compels us to be involved with the Lord Jesus Christ in ministry. And what was his ministry? To seek and save the lost. But he also was a shepherd ministering to sheep. Not just tending sheep, but ministering to sheep. Helping them to grow and become fruitful. I wonder how long a sheep would be kept in the flock if it got so sick that it couldn't grow wool or it was barren. You know, they did eat mutton, right? I wonder if it's the barren that those that proved after a season or two that they were not going to be able to conceive. I wonder if those were the ones that you consume as food. Yeah. You're not going to slay one of your primary ewes that's birthing a lamb or two or three every season. I'm going to kill that one. You're going to kill and eat the one that's not birthing anything. Verse 5. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your service for Jesus' sake. Uh, hello? We are not the subject of the messages. The only way we are included in the messages as personal examples of what God is doing, not just personal examples of our successes, but in whatever manner the Lord chooses for us to do it, not telling the gory details, but in personal examples of our failures so people will know we are not better than them and we can't be put on a pinnacle of, a pinnacle of perception, perspective excuse me, a pinnacle of perfection where they want to put the ministry because they want you to be perfect so that they know since you're perfect and they're not, 
that they don't have to worry about you them being challenged by your life because they they'll never be perfect like you. So you are a separate and apart from them. That's not the will of God. Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, is the subject, the focus, the, the goal of all of our preaching for people to find, know, and become in come into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse six: For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, the same one, the same power, the same glory, the same authority that said to a dark universe, let there be light, is the same one that spoke light into our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This word glory, doxa, according to Thayer's in in context when he's speaking specifically of the glory of God, is the self-manifestation, the self-revelation of God. So when we preach Jesus and, and, and you, you believe the gospel, he begins to shine light into you by that same power and authority he did in the universe. And when he does that, he's going to reveal, as we look at the face of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we are looking at the self-manifestation the self-revelation of God the Father. No man has seen God at any time. The only way we will ever see God is in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray, my friend, that as you and I listen to this message, and some of you say, well, this is just for preachers. Really? Really? then you don't believe in the priesthood of all believers, that everybody with the Holy Ghost is not... I'm not given the Holy Ghost just to save me. You're not given the Holy Ghost just to save you. You may never stand in a pulpit your whole life, but you're called to the ministry. Every single born-again child of God is called into the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a ministry to the body. It's a ministry to the lost. Sheep beget sheep. Shepherds don't beget sheep. Sheep beget sheep. Sheep conceive sheep. Sheep birth sheep. Shepherds do not. At best, shepherds provide the atmosphere in which sheep will beget sheep. And those, therefore, that's begetting's what the male does. And uh, <clears throat> conceiving is what the female does. And there's only one ram that's impregnating the sheep of the body, uh, the bride of Christ. That's the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He's the father of all the sheep. The shepherd is not the shepherd. The chief shepherd as the ram, the lamb of God who is a ram. (laughs) He's the father of the sheep, but not the shepherd who's just tending the sheep. No, this is the will of God. It's the will of God for us to be involved with his purpose, his plan in the this world today. And every one of us is called to be a part of his ministry. Some minister to the people of the body, 
Some minister to the new, newborn, some minister to the backslider and the lost, and some are called whose primary ministry is to lead the body, set the direction for the body, establish the doctrine for the body, provide the oversight of the body. We have made them the ministry and stolen the ministry from everybody else. That is not Bible. And in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray this day that by the grace of God and the spirit of revelation, you will something will happen in your heart where you will want to go to the word of God and study it and see for yourself that every Holy Ghost-filled child of God has a ministry in God, and we're all going to be judged in the end whether or not we are faithful to that ministry. You'll be hearing more about this in this series. God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. 